the lie the poetry tells is constant as the truth itself without the lies and the false beliefs where would we be where would we be welcome to the state of the theory podcast i'm hannah and i'm an india and we are your theory doctors Hello. Welcome back. How's it going? Um, I hope you've all been well. Uh, we are recording on the eighth of July, so we've just had uh, Independence Day in America. We're just over a month away from Independence Days in Pakistan, India, and this episode is going to be. about how nations perform their identities through independence day celebrations we are of course living in a country that doesn't have independence day oh so sad yes it's i mean the closest you get to the feeling of an Ind- of independence day certainly in you know compared to the us is bonfire night which um mm, i that's interesting i'm not sure i would have picked that but go on no one really seems to know what bonfire night is actually celebrating is yes. it that guy fox wasn't successful or is it that that he attempted yes to blow up parliament yes the gunpowder plot yes uh and british people will often it takes place in november british people will often go to their local park where there's a little fireworks display and sometimes they will put lots of logs together and light it on fire and there'll be a big bonfire and uh you'll say hello to your neighbors and sometimes people will light their own fireworks in their backyard and that is yeah. it see i would have picked royal weddings as the closest thing that not in feel yeah so not in not in the the activities the yeah. way that you perform yeah it's not the same at all royal weddings yeah. are a unique thing and something that Americans also see as being yeah. their own yeah. thing. Yeah. But I guess you're so if you're thinking like the street party. Yeah. The street party thing. Mm-hmm. I love that I love that British people insist on doing activities that are not conducive to British weather. Yes. Insist on trying to have barbecues. Yes. Going camping. Yes. Going to music festivals. Yes. Having fireworks in November. It's just it's charming. Yeah. It's charming. But so Independence Day is we we were talking about this cuz you and I both have back home. Yeah. Independence Days. Yes. And we have memories of being children celebrating them. We and we know as well because of what we study. Yes. Um given that we study nationalism and we yeah. study uh what well, we see partition yes. which is part of the independence story yeah. in the subcontinent so we are you know i think well versed in yeah. our independences yes. but in that, i've never really noticed that britain doesn't have one yeah. until after brexit nigel farage got up on a platform and was like today is yes. british independence day yes. and and i was like oh huh, yeah yes. you don't have one yes and you know there was a lot of jokes made at the expense of the party name ukip right the uk independence party yes because of course uk doesn't have an independence day and and also independent from what yeah like 
the UK is sovereign. Yes. Independence. If you're from a, a formerly colonized place, mm. that is a pretty insulting idea that yeah. the UK needs independence yes. from something because it is a sovereign nation. And, and has been for... Ever. Many centuries. It invented... Yes. It was part of part of the European process of inventing a nation state. Yes. It's... It, there was no independence required because... Yes. It's genesis is the model for it. Like, that's the whole thing. Yes. So, but, you know, there's an emotional, kind of nostalgic element to Independence Day. There's a performative uh, aspect to Independence Day. So what what performances of Independence Day do you remember from when you were little? Okay. So on the 4th of July, when I was between the ages... Of like memory old, so like yeah. three. Yeah. And probably like twenty two. Yeah. For the most part, on Fourth of July or around in the week of Fourth of July, if you are in Marin County, you will go to the Marin County Fair. Okay. At which so you will pay exorbitant prices yeah. to enter. The fairgrounds. That sounds like a Marin County specialty. I don't imagine it's exorbitant prices for everywhere. Yeah. It, yes. Yeah. We do it well. Yeah. You will uh, eat um, a funnel cake. You may also eat a deep fried Twinkie and or deep fried Oreo. You'll probably also eat like barbecued food um, from a from food trucks, the original food trucks, right? You will perhaps go to agricultural displays. Uh, sometimes there are horse races or horse jumping competitions. There's also like 4-H uh, presentations. So kids will kind of show off their dairy cow or like whatever. Yeah. Um, there's there's a mediocre children's uh, art yeah. competition. So kids will yeah. have entered art yeah. competitions. And yeah. so you go look yes. at their at their bad art. Yeah. Um, the Marin County Fair for a long time had a, I don't know if they still do this, have a toilet bowl art competition. So you get a, not a used toilet, but like you get acquire a toilet and you decorate a toilet, you create a little world in your toilet. It's pretty, I'm pretty sure that's what it started as, yeah. with some art teacher like, yeah. was um, feeling rebellious. Yeah. And then you go on rides. Yeah. And you go over to the fairground bit where there's the carnival. Yes. And you go on rides and you play games. Yeah. Um, and I, one of my kind of like connections to this, and it's a sort of nostalgic thing, and it's also performative, yeah. is I have very few talents, like generally speaking. I, have a, I can read texts for meaning. I can write an academic journal article. I, I suffer through that, but I can do it. And the other thing I can do is I can win at fairground rides or at games. I did not know that about you. So I can play. So there's a couple of games that I'm especially good at. But when I was pretty little, um, I won a goldfish by throwing a ping pong ball into a goldfish bowl. Um, And I won it. And everyone was like, what? Watch me do this. And yeah. So I would win goldfish. Um, There's one particular ride or game where you roll a ball and and a little uh horse moves and it's like a little race and you yeah if you get the the different balls into the different holes the horse moves faster further whatever whatever i kill it at that game and that is essentially for the july after that you go you watch fireworks um you learn early on if you get lost at the fourth of july fair that you go to the first aid tent yeah and you wait there and your parents will find you 
there's kind of like D-list musicians yeah. that will come and play in the in the band tent, and you yeah. can go see some mediocre music. Um, and then there's fireworks, and they play the national anthem, and then you go you go sit in your car and wait for hours to get out of the parking lot to get home. That is Fourth of July. There's also barbecues. Normally the weather's good where you are, so you go to family barbecue or friend yes. barbecue. Um, Tom, my partner, who's British, the the kind of pinnacle of of an American barbecue for him is like if there's potato salad there, then it's a barbecue. Like it's an American barbecue, and I don't know why that's a thing, but I think he had it once at a NFL tailgate yeah. party, and that's that's it for him now. And there's like sparklers and and one of the pyrotechnics is key. So yeah. the Memorial Day weekend barbecue is different from a Fourth of July barbecue because you have fireworks, and of course that is a that's a reference to military warfare. Um, and the the Star Spangled Banner as well is all about is all about a battle. Yeah. Um, and and I guess too there's a lot of pickup truck sales. Yeah. Like Dodge will will have a. Fourth of July sale, get on down to your Dodge yeah. dealer, and, and yeah. you can you know buy a new car or whatever. Yeah. Like th- yeah. that's Fourth of July. Yeah. yeah. So the only Fourth of July experience I've had in America is one year I was in in Austin, Texas, and I went to the 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 uh, green field space. I can't remember exactly what it's called now. They had an open open air stage where lots of musicians played, and there was fireworks and lots and lots of food. And much of what you were saying chimes in with that one experience. I don't remember rides. It wasn't sort of a fairground in that sense. Yeah. But there were there were lots of food and lots of sort of very elaborate family picnic equipment. Oh, Americans do picnics. Yeah. I don't know why, but they do. Like, yeah, yeah gazebo things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The tailgate party is a classic where yeah. before football games you pull out your ping pong table, yeah. so you pull out a tennis table, a like table tennis table, a, a full gas barbecue out of your pickup truck and everything you might possibly need including yeah. tents and gazebos and chairs and tables and everything. Yeah. yeah. And you just sit in the parking lot of an NFL stadium and drink beer. Like and Tom remembers eating potato salad. Like that's yes. it's a it is one of the ways in which Americans get together yeah. in public spaces, yes. and they yes. bring and and often as well. There's a um, uh, and and you kind of notice this in Britain, but it's less it's less organized and structured. Yeah. The potluck, yes. yeah, where everybody yeah. brings things and it's all coordinated, yes. so that yes. the potluck is curated yes. in a way. Whereas in Britain, yes. it's like ah, bring whatever you want to drink and maybe yes. a dessert or whatever. Yes. No, you have yeah. your tasks. Yeah. And if somebody makes the best apple cake or something, yeah. that person brings the apple cake. That's the, it's it's a really um in some ways it's quite nice. Yeah. But also you add in the kind of nationalist performance bit and it's yeah. a little creepy. Yeah. One thing I forgot was the parades. Yeah. because um, I haven't been to a Fourth of July parade in a long yes. time. Yes. Um, but it is a thing. Where you go normally in the morning, and this is the worst part of Fourth of July. This yeah. is the part nobody likes, especially if you're if you're a kid. This is yeah. the part you don't like. Yeah. Where you have to sit and watch a parade, and usually a parade is made up of your local veterans, yeah, uh, who will walk with a sign saying they're whatever veterans, yeah, um, whichever from whichever war. Girl Scout and Boy Scout troops, 
sometimes local military, but I'm from California, so we don't have that much of a strong yeah. military presence. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not from military towns. Um, and they'll just walk and, like, yeah. wave flags. Yeah. And there's, like, high school marching bands yeah. and, like... It, and it is so boring. And you know what's even worse is the years where you're a Girl Scout and you have to walk in the 4th of July parade. You think it's going to be cool and then you realize now it's just walking. Mm. And it is hot. And it is boring. Mm. So that that's... And I think that is the closest you get actually to the kind of military aspect of so 4th of July. if the, the ages you describe yourself as being when you were marching or watching the parade or taking part in these activities are presumably not necessarily an age where you are old enough to interrogate performances of nationalism. No. No. You, that theory, theory vocabulary wasn't available to you. Also, Americans don't um, learn about the nation state in school, yeah. really. Yeah. Like, you don't learn about yeah. even the concept yeah. of the nation state in school. So I guess what I'm wondering is if if the the general response to the performing of nationalism bit is it's just a bit boring, then is that a, a marker of its failure, the failure of performance, the limits of performance? Or is it a marker of the sort of coercive nature of power that everyone's doing it anyway? You have to do it. It's yeah. something that you do. Yeah. What's really interesting is, like, I don't know why. I mean, I guess I didn't... I mean, because I'm from a really liberal part of the country. So all our stuff is pretty muted. And people weren't... So one thing I have noticed on Facebook, and actually this is a callback to our episode on the right wing, that social media discourse has changed some of this. So we'd sometimes say happy 4th of July. Yeah. We would never say happy Independence Day. Yeah. We would only ever say happy 4th of July. And there wasn't a sort of, this is the greatest country on earth, God bless America, kind of jingoism to a lot of it. Um, It was more, this is a federal holiday, everyone has a day off work, it's the middle of summer, the weather's nice, let's, go do this thing. Yeah. Also, the parades are free yeah. to, like, go to, so it's, like, yeah, a free yeah. family activity. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that, that kind of thing. Yeah. It's, I think with social media, people have, have started to get a bit more um, overt in in God Bless America um, and some of the more patriotic elements. Yeah. So yeah. Um, people wearing flag clothing yeah. Yeah. or whereas I would maybe, maybe have worn a red T-shirt or a blue T-shirt. Yeah. Um, people will now wear yeah. more patriotic yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, there's a more militaristic yeah. aspect to some of the parades yeah. now in yeah. a way that there wasn't. Yeah. And I think some of that is because social media is, okay. is enhancing the performativity of yeah. it. It's yeah. You have... It's a little bit more... It's targeted nationalism um, in a way that I think think other federal holidays still aren't really targeted yeah. nationalism. So Labor Day has kind mm. of been left alone. Martin Luther King Day, uh, President's Day, they've kind of been left alone to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, even though they are they, they function in the same way. You get mm. you get time off work and whatever. Yeah. And um it's 
it didn't feel as necessary then to interrogate the yeah. way that I feel like it's ne- it's more necessary yeah. now yeah. to interrogate. Now, that shift is something that is very familiar to me uh, in terms of the Independence Day celebrations in India that I remember growing up with. So, tell us about I'm yours. I'm going now. So, there's some things that are familiar. So, children doing mediocre art, you know, art competitions. The phrase is the phrase that's used there is sit and draw, like sit and draw competitions. You know, why would you not you sit, sit when you're drawing? But that's what the competition is called. Unless you're Banksy, yeah. I guess. <laughs> um, so you had that. You had most schools would have a flag hoisting thing. Uh huh. Yeah. So you would. It's a school holiday, but especially if you were part of the Scouts, which I was for a while, uh, you'd go in to hoist the flag and sing the national anthem. So there is a performance. There was always a performance of patriotism. There were kind. There were parades, uh, or what? What would be the equivalent of parades? But they were. They didn't have. In my memory, they didn't. I mean, I didn't grow up in a military town either. But they didn't have veterans in the same sense. They mm-hmm. had uh, scouts or cadets often. So in that sense, they were militarized. Yeah. But any connection between the celebrations and the actual serving army was left unsaid as it were um it was it was more a kind of presented as a benign civilian patriotism yeah it wasn't benign it wasn't civilian necessarily but that was the rhetoric of it and and the 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 central thing that was unabashedly unashamedly militaristic was the parade in the capital yes right so outside the red fort uh there was a there was a military parade actual military mm-hmm. prime minister saluting troops prime minister speaking president speaking you know so so and that was televised live on tv uh but other than that the local ground level ce- celebrations want explicitly militarized in the same sense certainly going by my social media i think they now are yeah so it is much more about save the troops you know praise the troops speak out in you know thank the troops for all they're doing for us and on the borders and also i think there is a and and maybe there is a connection here to the to the dodge adverts that you were you were describing I think there's an advertising connection here as well. Mm. So companies are jumping on a militarized patriotic bandwagon. Yeah. Where they are launching ads and special offers in honor of the troops. Mm-hmm. In honor of the ser- people serving, you know, serving That's securing nice. our borders. And this this wonderful wonderfully ho- horrible combination of capitalism and and military yeah. patriotism feeding off each other so the so in the service of the nation you have to be grateful to our troops serving on the border mm-hmm. and in the service of capitalism you have to consume yeah and in consuming you are serving both capitalism and the nation by by honoring our troops yes but that seems to be again the very little i know about about american celebrations that seems to be a thing in america as well it's becoming a thing so we this is the first year that there has been a military parade in the capital yeah um, this was the first year and Donald Trump was, was famous, yeah. infamous for doing this. Yes. Um, 
for parading military weapons uh, through the Capitol and yeah. then speaking. Yeah. Presidents don't, don't speak, speak yeah. on yeah. the 4th of July. Also, um, the, the U.S. is quite militaristic um, in some ways in the sense that like, I have memories of when I was a kid during the summer, the um, the local National Guard would open up their, uh, some of their, um, I can't remember what they're called, like, the facilities where they keep a lot of their vehicles and stuff, and they would drive you around in tanks and, and stuff and mm-hmm. kind of show you what, what they do. They'd stick, obviously, all the safety equipment on you yeah. and stuff, so yeah. you'd wear the helmets and they'd... They'd explain how the, yeah. the comms equipment mm-hmm. works, and um, and in in many ways, actually, that it wasn't because it's real, yeah. because it's not simulated and it's not a display, because yeah. it is real. You get a sense of actually, this is scary equipment. This is deadly equipment. This is um, it's expensive, high tech equipment, but it's also cle- it's armored and it's yeah. clearly. That what's what this is used for like they can't really hide it yeah, yeah um and often the guys in the national guard will have been and i think when i was kind of the age that we were doing this a yeah. lot of those guys had served in iraq already yeah they weren't particularly if you talk to veterans they don't tend to glorify yeah. what's going yeah, on yeah um so it, it, the u.s is militaristic in a kind of ban- banal yeah way yeah and Americans have a have a bit of that, even even kind of liberal progressive yeah. anti war yeah. Americans have military literacy in yeah. that way. Like I don't yeah. think a lot of I don't think all British people necessarily have no. the experiences of no. riding around in a tank, no. in a in a local field by their house. Yeah, so I mean the the big difference between either you know we we're trying to figure out early on uh, British equivalents for Independence Day, and you mentioned Bonfire Night, I mentioned Royal Wedding. Both of those are explicitly sort of non-military, if you yeah. like. I mean, you know, there is Horse Guards Parade and Edinburgh Military Tattoo and stuff. But I guess other than that, and those two aren't really very good examples, the closest thing I can think of is Poppy Day. Yes. Part of it is a military parade, right? Not necessarily using military equipment in the same way, because it's Britain, we still pretend our soldiers go to war on horses. Uh, but yeah. there is... You know, soldiers, serving soldiers, veterans, constructing a nation through the marking of military battles, Mm -hmm. specific battles, specific wars, and, you know, honouring the memory of the fallen as a way to interpolate, we used that word in an earlier episode, interpolate a nation together, right? We, We all become part of the same nation through these performances of of nationhood and nationalism. Yeah, the United States does uh, also do Memorial Day, and you also have parades, and you also have... And the president normally does... It is actively involved on Memorial Day. Yeah. Uh, Trump made the news this year for not wanting to go out in the rain. Um, he was in France this year, actually, was, which, yes. Yes. Um, which is fascinating and really important because it was a... Um, it was an important uh, anniversary of D-Day this year, and the the French American relationship when it comes to World War Two is very much at the uh, at the heart of World War Two kind of yeah. nostalgia memory. Yeah. Um, but the 
so we do have other there's other days what's interesting you're talking about india yeah because obviously the u.s is getting a bit more jingoistic and a bit more militaristic because we have a we have a president that glorifies the military yes. and glorifies military might and violence um not just in the u.s but also like in north korea and yeah in, you know, yeah um but indian independence the story the kind of national story around an in- independence doesn't quite mirror hmm. the story around American independence yeah. in terms of the U.S. has a, a a conflict that takes place that's sort of declared as a conflict on yes. both sides. Yes, a war. We didn't begins, have a war for independence. A war begins yeah. and then at the end a treaty is yes. signed. Yes, and the the British army, the British military, agrees that it that it has lost in yes. a sense, and then a treaty is agreed that the United States, the colonies, will become independent. The story of India and Pakistan isn't isn't so clean cut in terms... It it certainly was not a peaceful um, revolution. But independence in India took much longer. There were kind of moments of... and flare-ups of violence and rebellion and revolt and resistance. But there wasn't the seeds of the Indian National Army yeah. don't appear as the, the, the institution that resists, first resists the colonizers and then takes over as the military, the way that the militia did in the white colonies. Yes. Which is really interesting because in the U.S. a lot of the, the symbolism, the fireworks... Mm. The flag, the singing, the song, the parade, kind of matches the story, in a sense. The it fits the the character of the the nationalist version, the, the textbook version yes. of how independence happened. Yes. But my knowledge of Indian and Pakistan yeah. independence is something very different happened. Yes. And so it rather than then perform the story yeah. in a, a very, you know, sort of simplified and symbolized yeah. Yeah. way. There's a new, a new set of performances. Because that I don't, I, I wonder if the closeness of the story of independence and the performance in America is a sort of convenient coincidence in the sense that performance is always about the present, Right. So if if America had found a different way to get independence, it might still perform its independence in the way it does now. Because, you know, you mentioned it when the the times that you remember military parades as in as part of an Independence Day celebrations was coincided with the Iraq War. In other words, India India displaying its military might during independence Independence Day celebrations today has little to do with independence. It's about Pakistan. It's about China. It's about India flexing its military muscles in the contemporary geopolitical context of today. And I think perhaps the way America celebrates its independence is similar. But there is a really important link to the story. Yeah. So the... 1776 and the founders sitting in a room signing the Declaration of Independence 
that that story and then the and then the specifically the way that general george washington defeats the british yeah and the um the symbolism of the flag and the the star-spangled banner is a kind of um celebration of the flag sort of in a paranormal sense surviving a battle yeah um the imagery of fireworks and the the traditional kind of barbecued yeah. food and eating of things yeah. like corn and stuff yeah. they that's all part of the story yeah so the I, I i see what you mean i think the the equivalent here is in in the case of india certainly is happening at an emotional level so the performance of nationalism the performance of independence isn't performing the story mm-hmm. in terms of how independence was won but it's it's doing it at it's it's establishing or trying to establish an emotional connect through patriotic songs that were part of the sort of civil disobedience movement for example okay. uh it's uh so partly it's that and partly it's a kind of emotional nationalism that celebrates how far we've come right so you know that happened in 47 and look now we are a nation that can launch missiles and satellites and you know take its a full part in the on the world stage as a global power yeah and that power is is absolutely connected to to its military might yeah yeah uh so i think that is how the the connection between um between the the story of how independence was won and how it celebrated today i wonder if there's a proximity thing as well yeah i think there the, is a proximity thing the us um and possibly also a distinction between settler colonialism yeah, yeah. and direct colonialism where the white colonizers achieved in it which then this is something we haven't addressed in this episode because we aren't really addressing but one of the things um that a lot of well indigenous tribes but also people of color so um especially black americans who have traced their ancestry to slavery in the united states um have a very different and now because yeah. of social media again more more uh, mainstream critique yeah. of thinking of the 4th of July as American Independence Day yeah. and are able to intervene. Yeah. And part of that I wonder if it has come about because the United States is is in very relative terms quite old. Mm. Um so that the that's the story of independence is temporally removed and therefore has us. to be ritualized. Yeah, whereas yeah. you know partition and, and independence in the subcontinent is within living in memory. memory. Yeah. And, and and we have recorded kind of archives yeah. of the time in a way that we don't have yeah. from 1776. Yeah. With photographs, there's film footage. There's yeah. like I think that that's absolutely part of the story. The other thing is that the story is so messy. and partition particularly throws such a spanner in the works yeah that it's i mean how would you yeah how would you perform independence without thinking of partition without bringing partition into account and if you bring partition so so one of the things that that i find really fascinating this is a slight tangent but 
Uh, I remember noticing this when uh, I went to the m- museum slash memorial site at Jalian Wallabag. Mm-hmm. So for those of you who don't know, this is uh, in the in in the city of Amritsar, which is in Indian Punjab, uh, and it's a site where in nineteen nineteen uh, British troops opened fire on unarmed Indian Indian civilians gathering. Men, women, and children were killed. Uh, you you can read up on the number of number of casualties. We we don't need to go into that here. But what was really fascinating was the 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 Jallianwalabagh site, like many sites, uh, increasingly in India, has a a light and sound show, which tells tells the history of the space. Uh, we did an an earlier episode on historic tourism mm-hmm. uh, and the cellular jail in Andaman Islands. Cello Jail has its own light and sound show. The Red Fort has its light and sound show. So a lot of historic sites, in an effort to increase tourism and convey the quote unquote truth of the of the space of the history, has created these light and sound shows. Um, and what was really interesting was one of the interesting things about the Jalian Wallabag light and sound show was how it spoke of in in depicting the independence of 1947 as a promise fulfilled right as a dream fulfilled so the dream that was what was only a dream in 1919 becomes reality in 1947 and the dream is of an independent india and they talk about you know we are this india that we are we are dreaming of is redeemed in its entirety in 47 yeah that's the narrative Except, of course, it isn't. Yeah. Because a significant part of that India is now a different country. Yeah. And if you are going to bring in that truth, then in, into your Independence Day celebrations, then given the state of relations between India and Pakistan, that is going to be tricky. Yeah. Right? If your Independence Day celebrations is about depicting your military might against Pakistan, you don't want there to be any hint, even a passing hint, that these two countries were once upon a time the same. Yeah. And it seems to me that that messiness explains why you can't redo independence through performance in yeah. the case of Indian Pakistan. Because it's just too messy. Yeah, it's you just can't too painful. It. And you can't talk about it. And the only way, therefore, to talk about it is to talk about how far we've come and essentially pretend that partition never happened mm-hmm. right that is what that that is what characterizes so much of the independence day celebrations in both india and pakistan they act as if partition wasn't a thing partition is never it's barely mentioned throughout much of public life in india and pakistan it is especially not mentioned during independence day so that talking about partition around the 15th of August becomes an act that is sort of similar to activists sharing Frederick Douglass's 4th of July speech. Yeah. You know, it becomes a counter-normative act. Yeah. In the way that if you are a Dalit activist, a tribal activist in India, you, you talk about, you know, what is this independence and is this, you know, to what extent are we free in an independent Indian nation state, which is casteist and uh, classist and and so forth, so there, there 
it's talking about partition as what defines 15th August 1947, 14th, 15th August, as opposed to independence, it seems to me, has that same effect that you were describing earlier on in terms of sharing counter-normative alternative narratives of independence. Yeah. So to go back to Amritsar yes. and Chilean Wallabug and the the way that that the light and sound show creates a, a direct link between the events in 1919 and independence and it sets up a a kind of timeline, yes. um, which is often how yeah. how national yeah. history, especially mainstream ones that are yeah. sort of easy to follow yeah. and yeah. you know yeah. accessible, how they set them up. What happened in Amritsar yes. didn't really have much to do with the independence movement per se no. at all. Yeah, um, which is really fascinating because the it was a a local mm. resistance to military activities that were happening in Amritsar yeah. at the time that had to do with yeah. World War One yes. and emergency acts yeah. and all kinds of stuff yeah. that wasn't directly calling for national independence. No. So there's a sort of, um, like when we talk about kind of after the fact, putting, creating a teleology yeah. out of events. Yes. Um, and that teleology, it seems like it gets performed all in one Absolutely, go. yeah. And that it's performed in the, the, the discourse or the grammar, if you like, of performance is that of a promise fulfilled. Yeah. Right? And Jalian Wallabag's Life and Sound does this. Uh, the Cellular Jail on Andaman Islands does this. Uh, it's presenting various localized struggles against British rule as connected through a desire for independence, a dream for independence, which dream then gets fulfilled at the birth of the new nation. And, you know, this is part of Nehru's speech, right? You know, long ago we made a twist with Destiny, uh, where he talks about it as a, a promise delivered, a dream fulfilled. Um, and the fact that the, the promise might be only fulfilled in part or the, the, the truth that there are sections of the population who don't benefit from this promise, or the fact that the India that people like Shubhash Bosh or Bhagat Singh or whoever, the India that they were fighting to liberate is not the India that we have today. Like geographically, the space is different. Yeah. The map looks different. That truth can't be spoken. In, in, in none of these celebrations can that truth be spoken, that the, the, the space that is India today is not the space that people were fighting for pre-47. Yes, which is a similar, there's a similar, yeah. um, uh, you know, it's the same story that gets told about Jinnah. So yes. um, Pakistani yes. uh, academics yeah. and activists will often say this isn't Jinnah's Pakistan. Yes. Um, which is... In, in some ways, especially upsetting yeah. because of what's happened to Pakistan yeah. Yeah. and, and um, the kind of the political upheavals yeah. that have ha that have happened in Pakistan. Um, but it's it's sort of the same process. Yes. It's the same. 
And I mean, maybe I'm stretching here a bit, but it's also the same process in America. Right? Yeah, yeah. America, the America of 1776 didn't look the way America looks now. No. You know, like... It was really little. Yeah. <laughs> it existed along the one coast yeah. and didn't include Florida. Yeah. Um, which was good, I think. Um, you know. But the... Yeah, the America of that is now the United States is completely different. It did have settler colonies, of course, do have expansionist uh, desires, expansionist tendencies, if, if, if it's possible. Um, and, of course, the United States was very successful in expanding. But what's really interesting is, um, because you were talking about partition, and I think in the United States, one there's a, there's a sort of specter in American history that yeah. haunts the 4th of July, and that is the Civil War and the Confederacy. Yeah. And especially kind of, I think, you know, post 9-11, it's really weird how there's a lot of the people who are very, a lot of the parts of the country as well and the communities that are very sort of pro-U.S. military, pro-war on terror, um, nationalistic in in many ways and, and kind of, you know, moving towards sort of white superiority or white supremacy forms of nationalism. They also, it's the same regions in many cases yeah. that were part of the Confederacy. Yeah. And the the Civil War occupies a really interesting place in American history because it's not something we don't talk about. Yeah. The Civil War exists in all textbooks, yeah. all state curricula. Yes. Yeah. Um, everyone knows about the Civil War. Yeah. Um, the debates about the Confederate flag are very mainstream. Yeah. Civil yeah. War reenactors yeah. are kind of a, a sort of joke, yeah. you know, and a kind of a, a yeah. weird sort of subculture. Yeah. We've talked a bit about historical reenactments before. Yeah. And so this, but the Civil War is, we don't commemorate it yeah. in the same way, obviously, because it's not, a, it's not really an independence. Yeah. I guess if, if in a counterfactual world, the Civil War yeah. had gone yeah. differently, yes. um, and of course... HBO put forward this idea as they were gonna they were gonna make yeah. this big budget TV yeah. show. The creators of Game of Thrones were gonna make this yeah. TV show. They were gonna engage in this counterfactual yeah. speculation yeah. about what would have happened. But you can kind of get a feel for what would have happened. The Confederacy would have had its Independence Day, and the North mm. would have ended up divided and but, really. But what's interesting to me is. In that counterfactual world, whichever bit of the country that could, and actually probably they'd all do it, but whichever bit of the country could most convincingly claim to be America, yeah. their 4th of July celebrations could conceivably carry on as if nothing had happened. Yeah. In other words, in the, the way in which independence day celebrations perform the nation that seems to me to be really remarkable in its ability to include huge changes to the actual shape size map of the country yeah right the country can transform itself actually physically in multiple ways and still somehow carry on yeah being the same country. Yeah. So like in another counterfactual world, you know, may well happen. One day we may well have an independent Scotland. Yeah. But I imagine that the rest of Britain 
could still carry on its own performances of nationhood. Yeah. As if the the country that was Britain in that world is the same as Britain is now. Yeah. Which is because Britain kind of continues to perform itself similarly to how it performed itself before Ireland gained independence, before India and Pakistan exactly. gained independence. There is still elements of that let's celebrate the empire, even though yeah. the empire doesn't exist anymore. Yes. yes. And that that is a really fascinating aspect of performing nationhood. That it allows for this fluidity to incorporate all sorts of different contradictions in a way that smoothens them out to give you a clean narrative of nationhood. And I guess they're always working towards the idea is that, that because, so of course Benedict Anderson, yeah. um, theorist of, of the nation as a cultural construct, um, he tells us that the nation imagines itself as timeless, but always, but also contradictorily having a teleology and that it is moving towards its yes. most perfect state. Yes. And so changes are incorporated, even if those changes are traumatic, um, are incorporated into the story of the nation as something that tests the nation but then makes yeah. it stronger. Yeah. So in a sense, we're kind of we're celebrating the past of the nation, but we are also celebrating a future of the nation that will go on forever. That we all agree and uh, that we share. And yeah. we all agree where the future will go to. Yeah. And of course, in that agreement or that is presumed, assumed agreement lies a lot of control. Right, what Chomsky might say, manufacturing consent. Yeah. Partly happens through the sense that, you know, going back to the example we used at the start, even if you felt the parades were really boring, you had to go. Yeah. Because everybody had to go. Because going to the parades, whether you like them or not, come to define you as American. Yeah. And particular moments when individuals, communities resist that appropriation that presumed consent uh the nation state becomes incredibly violent in policing yeah policing those forms of resistance because these performances matter these performances are partly how a nation invents itself and invents all of us as citizens yeah the nation is not a conspiracy no (laughs) but it is but it is a community and it is it can be oppressive yes let us know if you, what your memories of Independence Days might be. Happy Independence Day! Wherever you are. <laughs> uh, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Bye! Bye! We hope you enjoyed this episode. I have been Hannah Fitzpatrick. And I have been Anindya Richardry. You can contact me on Twitter at Dr. H. Fitz. And me at Dr. Anindya R. Our music was provided by the Agrarians, and this has been State of the Theory. Thank you.